Hello, everyone, and welcome to Show Hoppers. Today we are covering The Leftovers Season 1, Episode 8, Cairo, or is it Caro? We'll talk about it. I'm Mr. Sal. I'm here with Kurt. How you doing, Kurt? I'm, I'm doing pretty okay. Pretty happy. Yeah. Pretty okay. Pretty happy. This episode made you happy. It's a real upper. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're going to be displeased with how I feel about this episode. You think I'm going to be displeased? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a shocking reveal. Oh, dear. Wow. Why, why don't you go ahead and reveal it? So, let me... Um, I, I did actually like the episode. It was a good episode. Uh, I'm just upset there were no Tommy scenes. That really, really <laughs> for it. No, but I, I kind of want to talk about my ranking system to explain the ranking I gave it and why. So, okay. five is, of course, like the the lowest you can go, kind of. Even too many fives is maybe bad, but five is like the... Your seven, right? We've talked about that a lot. Yeah. But my ten. My ten, I have this arbitrary rule kind of for my ten, which is to get a ten. There's probably only like a handful of episodes I've ever gotten a ten. And to get a ten, not only does it have to be like the main storyline, I have to always, you know, be on the edge of my seat or just really excited to watch it. Every yep. other storyline, like if it goes to the beeline storyline, yep. if I immediately go, no, wait, what about the main storyline? Nah, it'll, it won't get a ten. I right. have to go, oh, yes, this as well, right? If I do that the whole episode, then that's a 10-worthy, right? If the, throughout the entire episode, if I'm never like, oh, no, I want to yeah. see more of that, then it's a 10. Okay. So because of that, th- this might be the closest episode to a 10 that is not a 10 I've ever seen, but it is a 9. This is a 9. Okay. It's a 9. All right. Well, hey. That, Close 10. I, I mean, 9 is extremely high praise from you, so. Yeah, it is a great I mean, episode. My this, favorite, yeah. This episode... I gets a 10 from me, of course. I mean, this is a stellar episode. And I would go so far as to say that it is my favorite so far of this season. I would say that as well. It's my favorite yeah. so far. Okay, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I'm, and I'm very interested to hear which story you weren't as into relative to the others. It's, so. not, it's not even that I wasn't into it. It was just for part of it, I wasn't into it. Okay. You know what I mean? So, so, so yeah. you know, Went back to him like, no, why did you go here, right? And I did that like once or twice, and that 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 alone, no ten. Like, okay. Um, what what's a Osman Esmont? I can never say that one. Episode of fourteen, yeah, season five of Breaking Bad. That's a good one. That 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 one got a ten on me because every time, every moment, I'm like, this is good. I want to see this. Good. I want to see this. Like every every scene it cuts to, I'm very pleased and I okay with leaving the other scene. Okay. So, gotcha. Uh, that that is a terrific episode of television for sure. Mm-hmm. interesting well i can't wait to hear uh more about what you didn't what it's you not even that it was bad it's not it's not even that the 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 one storyline that gave it weakness is bad it's just not as good as the other one it it, mm-hmm. it gets so it gets overshadowed by the other ones that gotcha it's not up to par it's not this not it's interesting because actually as i watched this i, I was thinking the whole time man every storyline is so good here <laughs> <laughs> I was so into all of it. So, but I, I'm, I think we're picking nits here and, and we don't need to do that because we both agree. This is the best episode so far. Oh yeah, certainly. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe by quite a long shot. I think maybe it's also cause my expectations. Last episode was a setup. I know next episode is supposed to be that flashback yep. episode nine. So to me, this is kind of the penultimate episode before the finale. Really. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my, my thought process was, okay, that's set up. And I thought this was going to be like more set up for the final. Yeah, but I felt like this could have been a final in its own right. This this has. I mean, there are 
some cliffhangers, but I mean, yeah. season finale with cliffhangers is no shocker. Yeah. I thought this could, if if this was the finale leftovers, I thought it would have been a pretty good finale. Maybe too many cliffhangers for me to be happy, but yeah, even not, still, I think you're not you're not wrong. That that, that you're you're pretty much on that. It would have been a pretty good finale, but it would not have been very satisfying. Oh, certainly not. Certainly not. <laughs> I would have watched that finale and been like, that was a great episode. Why can't I see more? Except right. now I live in the day and age where actually, since mm-hmm. all the stuff's premiered, I'd be like, great finale. Let me go see the next episode. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So, well, let's let's get started on this. I, I love this episode. I'm so excited to talk about it. I've been extremely excited since I watched it. So, mm-hmm. uh, we start with this sacred music playing, which this, this song is called, um, what is it called again? It's called I've Been Buked. Do you know what the word buked means? No, I that was the nickname I gave someone, but I didn't, I didn't know that was actually a word. I know <laughs> yeah, that was a word. B u k e d. The lyrics go, "I've been buked and I've been scorned." Well, they actually mean pretty much oh, the same thing. I I thought it said, "I've been nuked, I've been scorned." No, buked. <laughs> but <laughs> they they mean pretty much the same thing. They both mean that they've been sternly disapproved of, or hated, or persecuted in some way. Okay, so. I think it's pretty easy to see that from Patty's perspective, maybe not so easy to see it from Kevin's perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Cause that's, there shows like Kevin prepping dinner and Patty laying out those uh, outfits for yeah. secret for what? For the secret, the secret. <laughs> have you figured out what the secret is? Or do you uh, have yeah. <laughs> I think I have a pretty good idea. Okay. Did you, when you saw her first laying out the clothes, no. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think that that's, that opening scene is so interesting because I have no idea why she's laying out all these clothes in the church, but they're but everything she does is mirrored by everything that Kevin does. So she, you know, unfurls a shirt and sets it down. He unfurls the tablecloth and sets it down. Mm-hmm. You know, she he uh, she you know straightens a shoe, a pair of shoes. He straightens a fork and knife on the on the table. Uh, at the end of it, she steps back and admires her handiwork. At the end of it, he does the same thing with his table setting. Mm-hmm. They both are taking such pride in their work, and in, in their work. Sorry, um, but any ideas why why they would blend them together like that? And up to this point, Kevin and Patty have not really been parallel characters. I mean, I think it's maybe foreshadowing what's yeah. about to happen. That's about all I can think of because it's very intertwined this episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, boy, are they. And so this is and, – and knowing where they're going with this episode now, looking back on that, I think it makes a lot of sense to intertwine them like that because they are going to be so closely connected in this episode. So I think this this opening is is so effective and so cool. I love it. It's so. a good one. This this is actually a long. Uh, I I don't know if I can call it a cold opening, but it's a long time till we actually see the intro. I think. Oh, it yeah, is it's a long time. Yeah, because we see all like the capture and feeling the yeah. gun stuff. Yeah, it's actually a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we also see as Patty's doing this, she's walking around holding this binder that just says MD. Mm-hmm. Did did you at the time know have any idea what MD might be? I don't think there's any way no. you really. I have no clue what MD means. I, that's why I was wondering. I was going to be something, something I was going to ask you. What does MD oh, you did, supposed to know that? You didn't pick up on it? No. Because they did mention later in the episode that it's Memorial Day. 
Oh, wait, what? No, I did not pick up on that at all. When did they yeah, even mention it was this, Memorial Day? The, this big thing, you know, at the end, they keep saying, you know, is it uh, is it still on? What about tomorrow? What about yes. Memorial Day? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, tomorrow is Memorial Day. Oh, okay. So the binder was meant for Memorial Day. Okay, it's a plot. Okay. Yeah, which we aren't going to get to see in the next episode because the next episode's all flashback, so. Okay. But we'll see. We'll see it in the last episode in the season finale. So, mm. uh, but after anything you want to add about this, I, I think this is a beautiful opening montage. Um, this is the first. Uh, it's this is the first episode where I've learned Patty's name ends in an I, not a Y. <laughs> that it. <laughs> well, Kurt, if you read the show notes, I do. I just, <laughs> I just kind of glance over Patty though. That's actually how I figured it out. It's because I read the show notes. <laughs> That's really funny. But uh, this opening, this this is a montage worthy of Better Call Saul, I think. Ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I do love Better Call Saul's montage. They're so good. Uh, they are they are the the royalty of montages over there. Uh, they are they are real nice montage. I'm I'm excited their last season montages i know i know but anyway uh this, this is a great one i love it anything you want to add about it uh no no okay the next scene Lori is in patty's office and patty gives her the binder and gives her this envelope full of money and says ready just that's all she writes ready question mark mm-hmm. Lori is seems to be ready but knowing what we know about where this episode is going. Do you think Patty knows at that point that she's going to die? Um, no, I didn't. What? And well, now, now you're, you're going to hit me with, <laughs> now you're going to hit me with the reason of why she could be, but no, I don't think she would know she's going to die. Cause I, I don't know how she would have been. T- speak I, speak I, your piece actually. <laughs> What did you say? Speak your piece. Speak your piece. Up. Well, I, I only I only say that because I, uh, several points in this episode, it really seems like she already knew this was going to happen and knows where it's going. Why does she hand over all the responsibility to Lori? She, she gives her the money to pay. She gives her the binder with all the information. It's as though she knows she's not going to be there to handle any of this stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I saw she was trying to give it off to her lackey. That's why she made Lori her right hand. I mean, if we think about the care with which she set up those clothes and the pride that she took when she finished, Mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to believe that she would just hand over control to Lori after that. This so I did actually put a question and I, I, we can talk about it right now. Is I I I was I wondered if Dean and Patty were working together to mess with Kevin, right? Like if it Patty sure seemed were, like that for a while, didn't it? I was wondering if that's the case. I mean, it still could be the case. I wonder, but I I, I don't know. I don't think it's the case. Uh, we can talk about why when we get there, but I don't I don't think they were they worked together. Although for a very long period of time in this episode i really wondered if they were working together mm-hmm. but maybe you know what maybe, maybe they were maybe because if she knows she's not going to be there to pay for whatever's in those bags and she knows she's not going to be there to utilize the binder 
maybe she is working with Dean. Yeah, because Dean did try to, you know, help her, or I don't know, <laughs> say help her, but do it. Yeah, we we'll get to that later, but yeah. Yeah, but at any rate, it really, I want us to, to, I don't want us to forget that she passed this responsibility off to Lori before any of the kidnapping and suicide went down, because I think it's important for us to remember that because there's a very good chance that she orchestrated the whole thing. Okay. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, so let's, let's put a pin in that and re just remember it. Okay. So Meg and next scene we see Meg and her new partner outside Nora's house. Uh, and, Oh, I'm sorry. Lori gave Patty a, some kind of small notebook. I don't know. Yeah, I saw. That. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what that notebook was until the next scene when we see Meg and her partner recording in a very similar-looking notebook. Nora's uh, departure. Not departure is a terrible word to use here. <laughs> Nora leaving her house. Yeah. So it looks like they've got Nora's schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And this notebook schedules. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you get that as well? No, actually, I didn't. <laughs> I, okay. I thought I thought it was just. Hey, I need a new notebook. Here's another notebook. Like they just have a ton of notebooks. Like <laughs> I did not, I did not gleam that from. You, you are not. You are not yet. I think. Uh, I think you overread it. I think that it was just Lori needs another notebook, right? She writes so much. Okay. You know, she needs I another don't... notebook, and now here's the same notebook. They buy them in bulk. Why would they have different notebooks? Buy them in bulk. Okay. Well, what are they taking notes on, though? That's the important piece of this, though. Uh, remember, there's nothing wasted with Damon Lindelof, usually. <laughs> In the very early episodes of The Leftovers, there was some wasted stuff. I always come back to, like, Lori either getting beaten up or doing some beating up on the playground. Um, oh, yeah. And, like, the two women in burkas on the porch outside of uh, the the party where the teenagers were hanging out, uh, which I, I just, I don't know what either of those things are for. I still don't. And I've seen the whole series. So th there are, there were some, I don't want to say super, superfluous, but there were some things that, that could have been probably trimmed out of the first few episodes. It, it's not going to be like that at this point. The, everything's for a reason. That notebook is, has a lot of purpose. And the purpose is to show you that they are keeping track of people's schedules. Okay. All right. I, and by the way, um, I, I in Lost, the other Damon Lindelof project that, that we're watching right now, you can't say that same thing. There, there, is, <laughs> there is stuff that, uh, again, I'm thinking of the, the sea urchins. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking of, too. There's, there's more, too. There, there's more stuff. But there, there's stuff in, in Lost that's like, oh, it's just kind of there. It's not don't read too much into it but i think that in the leftovers we've been given permission to read as much as we want to into everything that do, that is done so so that's what i got out of that uh I, I i think i'm right about that and i think we'll we'll see more about that probably not next episode but the episode after anyway uh, nora on her way out offers megan her partner rice krispie treats which i, I just love nora <laughs> so do you like rice krispie treats <laughs> it's, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And who doesn't? 
but apparently these people aren't going to take them. So uh, why does Nora have Rice Krispie treats? Well, because she's bringing dessert to Kevin's house. She's having dinner at Kevin's with the family, the family, of course, including Amy. For now. <laughs> For now. <laughs> oh. I love the Amy payoff in this episode, by the way. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah. it. That, that storyline is the weaker of the storyline. I, I, I assume that you, that you would think so. I, I'm going to try to turn you around on that, but we're not there yet. Yeah. Uh, at dinner, uh, there, there are some pleasantries exchanged, of course, but ultimately the, the conflict comes when Jill asks Nora why she carries a gun. And mm-hmm. Kevin, like is ready to jump over the table and, and, and strangle Jill. And, and Nora says, no, no, it's okay. I, I, I used to have a gun, but I don't need it anymore. Okay, and then Kevin puts an end to it. But that line strikes such a chord with Jill that she's going to obsess over this for the rest of the episode mm-hmm. to the point where she ultimately ends up going to the guilty remnant. So that that... That line was so meaningful to Jill and met, and had such an impact on her that we need to focus in on it right now. I used to have a gun, but I don't need it anymore. Now, this whole discussion has been about whether or not Nora is okay. Whether And, and that word, okay, has come up in the series before. We've had Amy tell Kevin, Jill doesn't really do okay. And it, it comes up later in this episode quite a bit. So being okay is something that Jill seems to be very interested in. And I love this theme of what Jill is trying to get out of hunting for this gun. I don't want to say too much about it now, but I want to make sure that we, we remember uh, throughout the episode that Nora says, I used to have a gun, but I don't need it anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Any, anything you want to add to that? Uh, uh, pretty funny. <laughs> Not much else I can. It was funny. It. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I think. Yeah, Jill. I was hope I was hoping for more uh anger between Jill and Nora. It was, it was more of like a tension. It's funny, it's funny you say that because I did think I I half expected Nora to really bite back because we know yeah. she's capable of being really snarky and really like acidic so acidic is not the right word is it no i think it is just spitting venom at people (laughs) you know i think of the fire hose of the guilty remnant or just the rice crispy treats so uh, um, do you think that nora in this dinner scene is actually trying to be really nice to jill or she has a aggressive here no i think she's trying to be i maybe a little passive aggressive but she could definitely be way meaner absolutely I, yeah, she's definitely <laughs> taking we make like a spectrum she's on the higher road side i think she could have made it way yeah yeah way worse because she even goes so far to plop her purse onto the table oh i love that i was like <laughs> i would have loved it even more if she did have a gun in her purse after doing oh. all that like it was just a bluff <laughs> that been even better <laughs> that would have been pretty funny but she does and she she tells jill she has she can go through the bag jill does go through the bag which was pretty gutsy mm-hmm. and then finds no gun and that's interesting to jill she's going to obsess about it so but on the way out as as norris says goodnight to kevin she gives him some of what i think is really good advice she says don't go back in and fight and fight with her that's what she wants 
do you think Jill was actually trying to pick a fight with her father or was she trying to protect her father or was there some deeper meaning to what she was trying to do? I think she just doesn't trust Nora. Cause she, she says it later in the episode, how, um, like how Nora must be damaged from what happened to her. So I don't think she trusts her. Cause she, she yeah. goes back over that line and stuff when she's in the park. Yeah. So you think she's trying to protect her father? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, I totally agree. That's the way it seemed to me at first. But as the episode progresses, I think there's more to it than that. So let's let's get let's get moving through the episode, and we'll talk about it when we get there. So next thing, Kevin goes to sleep, which we're learning is never a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I get excited when Kevin goes to sleep. I'm like, so <laughs> because usually it leads to a dream sequence, which unfortunately this does not seem to have been a dream sequence because when he wakes up. He's in a truck in the woods with Dean and they've kidnapped Patty. <laughs> I mean, I love Dean so much, by the way. Oh, Dean is, I just love Dean. Dean is great. Not as great as Patty. Would you agree? I don't know. Actually, I really do like Dean. <laughs> Dean is awesome. I, I will give you that. But Patty is. Absolutely... I can't. I can't hold Patty on a pedestal anymore. I don't know uh, if I really see her that much, you know, do you, because what? I don't think I'll really be seeing much of her now. So. <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's very sad. Uh, but she is, I've mentioned this before, she's such a scene stealer, but we, we don't get Patty scene yet. We just know mm-hmm. that they've kidnapped Patty. Yes. Okay. And I've asked already, do you think that Patty was in on this? Uh, and we just got to keep thinking about this. I'm, we don't know much at this point in the episode about how it all went down we just know that kevin went to sleep and woke up in the woods with dean and patty so but we'll keep thinking about it was this shocking to you oh yeah <laughs> oh certainly yeah oh what, so when i saw the cabin i mean at first of course i think it's a dream like I most of the time do Except i was a bit more skeptical because in his dreams he doesn't just like pop awake usually i feel like usually he's right. like already doing something so like when he popped awake i'm like oh wait maybe yeah I, I think it's a dream. I'm not sure. I saw a Dean, but <laughs> Dean, Dean's a big <laughs> dream signal. But then, yeah, I was, I, well, I mean, once, especially after the scene ended, and, you know, you see the shock on his face. I, I was like, okay, well, this is definitely not a dream. <laughs> he has kidnapped Patty. Yeah. yeah this... I was wondering. Yeah, I was wondering if it was a dream. That, that's what, whenever they show Dean, I'm always like, is this a dream? Is this real? Right. What's going on here? That makes sense. I think you're you're fully justified. And, and asking that question when you see him but it does seem like this is not a dream mm-hmm. oh if it's a dream i'll be so mad i yeah. mean <laughs> i i i could it's not a dream don't worry okay, okay. This, this really happened so but the next scene we do cut away from the cabin for a bit to get back to your favorite thing here we, we see jill who can't find kevin and the only reason I bring this up, I want to mention this, is that Amy says, I guess you scared him off to her place. Mm-hmm. So this is the beginnings, I think, of seeing uh, Jill and Amy falling out. Mm-hmm. That Now, we, <laughs> we do have to, we've asked this question so many times throughout this podcast, is are Amy and Kevin sleeping together? Yes. It, yes, you, you think they are? Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, no, yes, we've asked the question. Yes, we've asked the question. Yeah. 
And I always thought it's, it's a possibility, but I if you made me have to guess, like, 50-50, I would have guessed no, they don't. Okay. Well, well I want to come back to that. But <laughs> if they were sleeping together, I could kind of see Amy being really upset about having dinner with Nora. That's what, that's what I would have thought, but she didn't seem that upset. No, she, she really didn't. She did that's not I, upset. And I, I mean, it, it depends on their relationship. But, yeah, yeah I was... I saw, that's what made me really think, like, I don't think there's anything between Kevin and Amy, really. Yeah, yeah but Amy does say to Jill, "You, I guess you scared him off to her place, which I don't know if, if Jill intended to alienate her father like that, but it, that now is the mindset that Jill's going to have going forward, that whatever she did at that dinner table upset her father enough that he's just gone right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now, and I, I think that really informs why she's driven to do what she does by the end of the episode, because she could feel like she has alienated the only two people in her life that had any kind of importance to her left. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm really, well, she actually did say where she's going, but I just oh. wonder if we'll see Amy like oh. individually. Gotcha. So, well, we'll see. So the next the next scene is is also pretty shocking. Meg is oh. and yelling and beating up on Matt. Uh you know, how did you feel when I was kept making the rip Meg's voice lines? Right? Because I swear <laughs> this is the most she's talked in like any episode, even like her you know, biggest episode appearance stuff. Uh -oh. This is I she talked so much. I'm like shocked how much she was talking. She, She's well, not a very good guilty remnant member. No, and it's funny that you, that you say that. I'm glad that you remember saying Rip Meg's voice because I'm just cringing the whole time you're saying it because I know where she's going. And she and then it's you know, at this point you can't shut her up. She's she's like, um so they gave her the rules not to talk, and once you followed them, she's following them, but the second she broke them once, which she did here when she was yelling and beating up Matt, mm -hmm. now she's just like, fully to the rules. Now she's just like, because the whole episode, she just keeps talking. Yeah, because it wasn't that long ago that she stopped talking. I know. Yeah. And, and honestly, uh, this is going to become kind of a theme of this episode. Uh, I have written here, Meg is a different brand of Guilty Remnant. Like this is not what the guilty remnant does. They don't yell and scream and physically assault people. And the reason that she was assaulting him is because he was handing out flyers. We know Matt does this. He hands out flyers, but he's shifted his focus. Now he's not handing out flyers about people who have departed and how they weren't the saints that we may think they were. Now he's handing out flyers about the guilty remnant, trying to get them to come home. Mm -hmm. The flyer says, Come home, Megan. Yeah. No. He's really... I wonder why Matt stopped. I, I, I wonder if his final episode mm -hmm. in the next season will really show why he stopped. Because I don't... I don't know if it's because when he lost his church, he decided just to leave that behind. Or because of what happened to Patty, he wanted to help them more. Or not Patty, I mean uh, Gladys. I, I, I do want to know why Matt stopped doing that and has shifted like we saw him trying to support the guilty remnant or like protect them and now he's mm -hmm. not even trying to protect them so much as he's trying to you know get them home 
well, he's trying to. Well, save probably them. still protecting them. But. Yeah, he's trying to save them. I, you know, this is this is almost missionary work for him at this mm-hmm. point. The, the, he's he's trying to bring them back into the fold, which is you know, <laughs> reality, uh, as opposed to this this cultish existence that they have right now. And I think that he sees that there's. So let me back up. I don't think you're going to get, you're not going to get anything about those flyers anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that what, what the way that I always have interpreted this is he saw what it cost him to be doing that. And it, it cost him his church. Yeah. So I, I think that he's kind of turned away from that because he knows what the cost of doing it was. He's been you know, burned. If he had been willing to give it up, Nora would have given him the money and he could have saved his church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't. So now I think that he's, he's given it up for that reason. I think that he also has decided that, that his, his, it was almost a religious conversion, uh, which is kind of strange to think about because he's such a religious man to begin with. But it, this shift of focus is almost like a conversion from smearing people and bashing people and degrading people to trying to save them recognizing their flaws and trying to pull them back in and and reincorporate them and love them anyway so i i think that what we saw in two boats and a helicopter was meant to inform us that he is going to be proceeding differently from this point forward okay so that's how i've always interpreted it are you, are you okay with that interpretation yeah. oh yeah it makes sense it, okay it makes sense yeah to shift definitely all right, but anyway, it is really—it's something else to see Meg screaming and pounding on somebody. <laughs> yeah, uh, but she—she she, we do get some information from her. She says that they have information on everybody in the house, all of them, and she just goes off on Lori. How are we going to let this happen? We got to do something. And Lori tries very, very hard for the first time, and there are going to be several times when Lori's trying to calm Meg down and mm-hmm. shut her up. But anyway, that which is interesting to think about from where Lori was a few episodes ago when she was being taken on this retreat with Patty because Patty was worried that there may have there may be some doubt in Lori. Now Lori seems like she's all in and trying to rein Megan in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was. So I, I have a question. I put a question here in my notes of when. Or how do Guilty Remnant members get booted? Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was thinking Meg's really on the chopping block. And even more later <laughs> in the episode, I'm like, I don't know, Megan. Yeah. Got yeah. seniority or anything. <laughs> no. And that's a great that's a great question. I We might get some peripheral answers to that as the season, or not season, but as the series progresses. Um, I don't. I don't know that you're ever going to be fully satisfied with that. Although you might be, but there's a lot more. Uh, Meg is is pretty. I don't want to say she's pretty heavily uh, discussed in season two. She has like she does get a point of view episode in season two. Actually, oh really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, not until season two, but um, the very near the end of season two actually so she is there is some importance to her character and we're going to get more of that but you you may not be far off about she's walking a very thin line between being in the guilty remnant and getting booted out of it so 
yeah good call good call all right we're back at the cabin now and kevin wants to know from dean how this happened yeah. and dean tells him this was this was your idea they were in a bar oh i loved it uh, what did you love i well i loved how like dean for like dean was saying he thinks patty's playing possum look at her oh. he's playing possum oh, i think she's playing possum <laughs> all this stuff they go out i just uh, I love Dean. I I do like Dean more than I like Patty. Dean might be my favorite character. Like I always love when Dean's on screen. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, Dean Dean is fantastic. Um, so, but Kevin apparently has no idea how this happened. We do get this like really quick cut flashback to the kidnapping and just like Kevin pounding yeah. her head against a car or something. But they they say Dean says that we were in this bar. She was, gave you that look that she always gives you, and you said, we're going to end this, and now here we are in Cairo, New York. So I don't know if you knew this, yeah. okay, but this is supposed to be set in Cairo, New York, which is spelled C-A-I-R-O, yeah. like oh, yeah. Cairo. So that, that's the title of the episode, but remember from the National Geographic last week mm-hmm. that there was an article on Cairo. Mm-hmm. So... My guess is Kevin needed to have that magazine to remind him of Cairo, New York. Because clearly he has been here before this. Yeah, well, yeah, because Dean tells him, like, he used to go camping and smoked in the cabins and whatnot. Yeah. Not only that, but later we're going to see the shirts. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so, so Kevin has been making pretty seemingly pretty regular pilgrimages to Cairo, New York. Uh, and that magazine may have been intended to remind him about it and maybe bring it to his consciousness. So mm. uh, the last time and Kevin asked, when was the last time we saw each other? And that Dean says a few weeks back when we made the bet. And this is where we find out about the dog oh, yeah. that, that Kevin bet Dean that he could, uh, he didn't use the word civilize, but um, rehabilitate. Mm-hmm. Did he use the word rehabilitate? Uh, I have no clue. But it's it something about like domesticating or whatever. Domesticate the dog. And that was a couple weeks ago. So all of that, if you remember back to that episode, which was, I think it was just last week's episode, right? Mm-hmm. Where Kevin woke up with a bite on his hand? Yep, yep, because his dad yep. was, yeah, yep. was senior. So yeah, and, and Amy said, your dad's going to rehabilitate him. And, and Amy remembered that night. But remember, Kevin had a dream about Dean having trapped the dog in the mailbox. So I, I, I want to quickly pause this stop. Back last episode, you, you, you were hinting that it might be a human bite. Like, I don't know. Looks a bit like a human. Oh, the bite? Yeah, yeah. What the heck? Uh, you know... I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is there really a human bite? Maybe I don't honestly bite. know what how I'm they sure would look. Sure, Mr. Sal knows how a human bite looks. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, you know, I I thought uh, maybe this is you know some weird sex stuff with Amy. <laughs> I was just trying to kind of coax you in that direction of the sex with Amy thing. Oh yeah, but. But no, I don't think it was. I think it was an actual dog bite. And anyway, you did, you did, you did get me thinking. I was like, huh? 
what is that bike then if it's not a dollar? Because you see, usually, I will say, not always, but when you bring something up, I'm like, is it true? Like, is, is that, like, is he, like, for, a, listen, for a good chunk of this episode, I was like, it's definitely either Kevin or oh, what, Patty that killed, okay, Gladys, right? Yeah. I was like, it's one of these two. I feel like it's going to be one of these two. And my, my Kevin my Kevin meter went up like based on what it used to be. I was like, oh, maybe really just Kevin. You know, he's forgetting things. But yep. I didn't know how we would get a squad together because it was like multiple people. Yep. But anyway. Yeah. We'll see about that more later. <laughs> Boy, will we? Oof. Yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I just have been listening to I just listened to the Gladys podcast that we did. And boy, we we were back and forth with with this whodunit of uh, i mean it was first it was dean and then it was the guilty remnant and then it was matt and then it was kevin and then we're back to the guilty remnant and it, was, <laughs> it was it was really amazing how they manipulated us in that episode and uh there's a little bit of that early on here but it's it, suffice to say at, at the end of this conversation patty wakes up so <laughs> Dean fills Kevin in on how what happened and that they kidnapped her and then Patty's up and Kevin is beside himself here. I mean, what do you do in this situation? Patty does not make it any easier. <laughs> no, she definitely doesn't. And it's, it's you know, I want to talk about that, but I, I, I feel so like, I, I don't even know what, what the expression would be like I, I feel I, I don't want to say I feel bad for Kevin because he kidnapped somebody but I, I hurt I hurt for him because he doesn't remember doing it and so now he has to decide what's he going to do is he going to kill her is he going to return her in which case he's screwed so like, he is like, there. there's just no way out of this for him I, I love this dilemma that happens in a lot of TV shows where it's a person who's tasked with someone that they've captured or, you know, is in their control. And if they let them go, they have a huge risk. But they kill, but they don't want to kill them either. They're too moral to kill them. Yep. Like, this happened in very early in Breaking Bad, right? This yep. happens yes. season two of Dexter. Yes. So, I really, I really like these situations when they arise. And, yes, I was like, ooh, this is good. <laughs> but that's yep. one reason why I love this show. I'm so cool. Yeah. What's Kevin gonna do? <laughs> so good, so good. But he tries to apologize. He's gonna try to plead with her and get her to just promise that she won't say anything, and then he'll take her back. But she spits in his face. Oh, I love her that. Oh. And then she then she talks. She says, "I don't forget." And now from this point forward, all she's gonna do is talk, which is just incredible. But but. She has tied his hands here. And it's very interesting to me that we watched this episode the same week that we watched Confidence Man and Lost because both of them so heavily feature a character who's in a submissive position, literally tied up Mm -hmm. and just antagonizing their interrogators. Oh, yeah. They both do it. Sawyer does it in Lost. Mm-hmm. Patty, oh yeah, and Patty does it in The Leftovers. And I, I can't believe that these episodes lined up like this. 
because I, I, it's Lindelof, all man. It's all Lindelof. I know. He did everything for a reason. I know. It's incredible. <laughs> but and and I think two somewhat different ends, which I want to discuss when we do our lost podcast. But you know, Patty, uh, you know, I'm I'm asking myself as she's spitting in his face. And she's saying, I don't forget. And she says, you're going to have to finish what you started because I'm going to report you if you return me. Does she want him to kill her? That's what I thought. That, that's exactly what went through my head. And that's where I, that's where it was really, is Dean in on this? Is this yeah. Is this, I, that's why I was really questioning. I mean, yes. Yeah, and this seems like further evidence that maybe she orchestrated this whole thing and and i don't i we're never gonna know whether she did or not honestly but it really it it really is something that i can't let go of that she and maybe dean with her were in on this from the beginning but i was asking myself that same question about sawyer and lost does does he want jack or saeed or whoever to kill him Mm mm-hmm because it really seemed that way this oh, yeah. is just, just like it seemed that way for for patty here so it, very very interesting stuff anything you want to say before we get back to megan laurie uh no no so megan laurie are having this heart to heart now about why meg shouldn't be attacking matt laurie tells her no violence because it's weak because Meg wants to know why no violence because it's weak. And then Meg writes down, I am not weak. This <laughs> is pretty hysterical because she's been talking this whole time. And now she's decided yeah. that not talking would be the stronger thing to do. It's a very childish thing. Yeah. I've always making this kind of very childish this episode. For, for good reason, I guess she's very angry, but absolutely. But Lori's going to make her prove her strength by bringing her to Matt's house. And making her apologize. Uh, what I love this scene so much. Oh, it's so because good. Nora is also there. Nora gets her little clip oh. in. Oh my god, I love Nora so much. <laughs> but but it's it's so it's such a parental thing to do. It's like no, you can't do that. It's weak. We're gonna go apologize. Yeah, you can see Lori dragging Meg by the ear to the to the house. You have a kid yeah. that like shoplift a candy bar from the store, bringing yeah, it back to apologize. Exactly, exactly. But we find out in this scene that Meg's mother, the the, the what Matt had written on the flyer and why he thinks she is so upset is that Meg's mother died the day before the departure. Mm. And he says this line, her grief was hijacked, yeah. which that that's going to be, that is the driving force behind everything Meg does. As okay. we, and we'll, we'll find out more about that at another time. But when we go back and think about that, when we go back and think about all of her motivations from the, from beginning of the of episode one on, we can kind of see that she is someone whose grief was hijacked by the departure. Huh. So, and then Nora gets her big dip in, which, oh my God, this is so good. She says, if you're giving out apologies, Lori, I have an idea for you. Next stop. I had dinner with your daughter last night. You might want to write her a note too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sick burn. Oh. So good. Call the funeral home. We got one. 
<laughs> exactly. But and and I wonder what Lori's reaction would have been to that if Meg had not been around. But mm, oh yeah, because yeah, now she's the parent. This you know the parent. She can't yeah. now stoop down to the level. She can't do anything because she's just spent the last scene trying to preach to Meg that strength is not fighting back. Strength is silence. Strength is pacifism. So in order to prove that point, she just walks out, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. But anything else about this scene? Uh, no. Okay. So next up, we're back with Jill. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is this the scene where they're... Um... This is the breakup scene, yeah. This is the breakup scene, yeah, okay. The, the, so this is the breakup scene. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, you accepted it. Now so you don't. No, it's, it's you're right. It is a breakup. It's exactly what it is. So J- Jill is really upset because she thinks uh, this is my theory, and I, I think Amy pretty much says as much in this scene. Jill's upset because she thinks she can't possibly be okay after losing her entire family. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way Nora can be okay. And I right. think I think the reason Jill feels this way is because she lost, you know, her. I don't know how she feels about her brother. We don't really hear anything on that, but she mm-hmm. does seem to miss her mother. Yeah. And the way it affects her, she's like, I feel this broken or whatever inside over losing my mother. She's lost even more than I have. I don't think I'll be okay. There's no way she can be okay. That's what I think is Jill's thought process to why she thinks. Right. Exactly. But I want to kind of. I, and I totally agree with you, but I, I want to invert that a little bit to say, no, no you're not going to let me. <laughs> okay. Now go invert it. I just want to invert it a little bit because I think that what you said is exactly right. But what if the inverse is also true that Jill is hoping that Nora's okay, because if Nora can be okay, that means Jill could be okay too. Oh, so she's looking disbelief. Right, so so she thinks there's no way Nora could be okay if she finds yeah. out that she's like for sure for sure okay. Then yeah. she'll be like, there is hope for me. Exactly, oh, okay. and if I think if you view everything through that lens from Jill's perspective now, I think that changes the whole story because it she's looking, <laughs> she, she's looking to Nora as a hopeful figure. She thinks, wow, she says she doesn't need the gun anymore she somehow got to be okay if she can if that can happen to her if she can get over it then i can definitely get over it and so she almost needs nora to be okay well well i do think that it's a really cool viewpoint i don't don't think that's her actual viewpoint okay i'm gonna prove it later because i'm I'm sure that's her actual viewpoint (laughs) but okay we'll talk about it uh, when they break into the house so interesting okay but I think that Jill doesn't want to feel bad for not being okay. I think that she, she wants to feel like she could get better. And Amy says as much, it is possible for some people to be okay. Yeah. Then we get, I, I love this scene. I think this scene's so good. I'm, I'm like, I, and I didn't realize I forgot about this scene, <laughs> but when I mean the, the, the camera shots are so close on Jill and Amy and, and, they're both they both have tears like ready to fall out of their eyes but they're not quite doing it yet it's it's incredible i i love it so 
then Jill, we get this extreme close of Jill, are you okay, Amy? And Amy says something that's pretty profound. I'm fantastic. And I got to say, I think your dad would be too if you let him. And so we're right back to you scared him off to Nora's house. Mm-hmm. Which is important to think about because like we said way back then, I think Jill now is starting to feel guilt about driving her father away. And she probably already felt like she drove her mother away. Yeah. So this is just, you know, twisting the knife even more, but I have to ask you this because I've never been able to answer this question, but I, I think that I do know the answer, but there's no definitive proof anywhere. Do you think that Amy lost people or someone in the departure? Uh, no. No. The reason I'm asking here is because Jill says to Amy, are you okay, Amy? Yeah, I. but I, I feel like the reason I just say no. Um, I make you wonder. I, well, you, know, you can easily explain that way of Jill's just repeating the question back to Amy, kind of. Or n- yeah. not repeating it back, but just Amy made the statement of anyone can be okay, right? Anyone can become okay. Well, Amy, are you okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know, but no, I, I don't think so. Okay, just because I feel like they would have brought it up. Obviously, you know, maybe yeah. just hiding it for whatever reason. I, I don't know if they ever talk about Amy's family life. Did I already ask you if they do? We're not going to get much more of Amy from this point forward. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, but it's it's. I never thought heavily about it, but I'm starting to think that maybe she did lose someone because you know, she we haven't heard anything about her family. She's been living with the Garveys this whole time. Jill's in the context of talking about Nora being okay. Jill asks Amy if she's okay. Well, what would be the connection between Nora and Amy that did they both lose somebody? Awesome. Okay. Um, and then even at the end of the episode, when she gets, when she's leaving the Garveys, she's not going back home. She's going to somebody else's house. So I'm not, this is not something I want to spend a great deal of time on. It's just something that that kind of struck me this time, this watch through that has never really struck me before, but I think that there's, there's a pretty significant chance that Amy may have lost somebody, but now Jill gets direct with Amy and asks if she was sleeping with Kevin. Yeah. And I completely believe that she has, she is not sleeping with Kevin based on this reaction because she looks so offended that yeah. Jill would suggest this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At and first, then, I was like, oh, my God, she's admitting to it. And then you're dead I'm like, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, no, she's not. She's just very angry. Yeah. And she said, you know, they had this conversation. They, they, were, they were about to do it. And Kevin says to her, let's stop pretending to be okay because no one is okay. And then... She said we did it on a pile of guns. Yeah. Which is such, I think, a, a great metaphor in this case for Jill's paranoia and her unwillingness to be okay. She has to attribute uh, some meaning to Nora's gun. She has to think that Amy is sleeping with her father because she can't just she just can't possibly believe that anybody's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. How do you not love the scene? I mean, it, it's a good... Listen, I like the scene. And 
I like a lot of um Jill scene here, but this is not the weakest point. This is not the weak weakest link in the chain. This is actually okay. a pretty good one. Okay. Well then we'll we'll get to there. We'll get to that when we get there, I guess. So we're back at the cabin. Patty has not been able to find anything on Dean, we find out. I love that she turns to him. Yeah. Like, and who might you be? <laughs> I like her uh, labeling of him like ghost or guardian angel. Right? Oh, I know. She says he. we can't find anything on him. No driver's license. Nothing. He is. For, he's a ghost. And he, Dean says, I, he, I prefer to think of myself as a guardian angel. So... This gets back to, and this 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 part of the episode is so confusing to me because I, I really I could very easily buy into the fact that Dean and Patty were in on it, if not for these this exchange. Mm-hmm. It could be fabricated. It could be that they actually know each other quite well. Mm-hmm. But it I guess surprise me if it's fabricated. It wouldn't. Oh, not in the slightest. No. 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 But I'm kind of taking at face value that they don't know each other. Um, but the but the exchange is, is worth the price of admission on its own. I <laughs> I love it. I mean, I really how good is Patty? Ah, she will be beloved and missed. Hopefully she's in the next episode. <laughs> and who might you be? <laughs> I love it. Oh, so we've we've gotta get into Dean a little bit here because I don't know if you remember this way back in episode two, when Kevin goes to visit his father, his father says that they're sending somebody to help you. He's talking about the voices that he hears. The voices are sending somebody to help you. Mm-hmm. Do you think Dean was that guy? I mean, if, if there was a guy or girl that the voices were sending Dean seems like the only person, especially because, so if you look, think back about that National Geographic that talks about Cairo, that I was say in New York? Cairo. Cairo, yeah. There's like the article about Cairo in it that might have helped, you know, remind him about it. Dean's also involved in that, and his dad led him to, his dad talked about a guardian angel, and his dad helped get him the National Geographic. I don't think his dad ever used the term guardian angel, did he? No, no, but uh, they're so sending someone, I mean. Is, is what? I, I just put it on my own. But yeah, sending someone. I feel like Dean is, like, the obvious candidate for that then. Yeah. Well, and and especially seems likely when Dean leaves the cabin and, and starts talking to somebody who's not there. <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's later on. We'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, I just, I want to throw out some other options as people who may have been when we think about new people who've come into Kevin's life, certainly Nora is new Mm -hmm. to his life. Could the voices have been talking about Nora? Um, Even Patty, to some extent, like uh, Patty may not be new to Kevin, but they've never had this kind of close relationship before. Mm -hmm. That's what you mean. Yeah. So just just throwing those out there as possibilities. I, I do think there's a very good chance that he was talking about Dean, uh, especially when we get to Dean's exit here. But so is this anything you want to say about that exchange before we move to Nora's house? Uh, I liked I liked Dean's quip. 
to uh wait oh yeah, yeah. I, I like dean's quip of how um he tells kevin you're, you're a good guy go to the truck close your eyes and let the other guy come out <laughs> oh yeah is that that's why i love dean oh my god that's right yeah and then kevin storms off yeah, yeah. that's where he gets white shirts then yeah i need to talk to the other guy <laughs> yeah i need to talk to the other guy dean, dean probably is. i love dean, dean. Oh. he's so wonderful oh my goodness most uh, like Patty, he steals the show. He's in the scene. I'm always looking at Dean. I'm like, there's that guy. I know. So what happens when you put Dean and Patty in the same scene? It's like <laughs> electric. It's crazy. It's wonderful. So good. It gets okay. a nine out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> so is this break into Nora's house the reason that you give this episode a nine? Yes. Okay. Is it because of the what? twins? Yes, partially, yeah. Okay, I can grant you that. The twins things that's just ridiculous. And, and <laughs> I love, not... I feel like they really horseshoe in the twins sometimes. Like, they I end mean... up wrestling. Just, I feel like maybe they paid them for all, like, they already paid them for all the scream time, and they're like, listen, we already paid you. Just <laughs> stand there, do this. Like, <laughs> or maybe they were like, the directors or one of the writer's kids, and they're like, come on, can, can they get their big break here? Sure, why yeah. not? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I guess the twins are the only bit of comic relief that we get in this episode, unless you count Patty and Dean. Oh, but no, Patty and Dean do some comedic stuff, I think. They, they definitely do. So I, I think it's, but I, I can I can sympathize with you not loving the twins in this, in this scene, except they do, go ahead. Oh, yeah, they find the bulletproof fast. Yeah, and I was really hoping something would come of it. Yeah, that was that was just kind of a one-off, and I I agree. I thought something would come of that as well, but I think it's just the do... tease of it. They're just teasing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they do say one important line. They say, "If the lady who lost her whole family is lying about the gun, then nobody can ever be okay again." Which I completely disagree with. I but I think the inverse again is true. If the lady who lost her whole family is okay then everybody else could potentially be okay again. Okay. Okay, so th- them saying that line is what got me in the mindset of, okay, Jill isn't, Jill is hoping not to find the gun. She wants Nora to be okay. It's not the other way around. She's not trying to say, ha look, I found the gun, gotcha. She is really hoping she doesn't find the gun. That's the way I'm interpreting it now. No, that that doesn't. I'm not gonna say swayed me over. I won't admit to that. But you haven't. Okay. Uh, it doesn't make sense though. Why after seeing the gun, he she goes home, packs, and goes to the guilty remnant. But there's uh, but there's an important bit in between there. But go ahead. I was gonna say I, I give more credence. Here's up. Okay, because she does find the gun. Yeah. She finds it in a board game trouble. Uh, in uh, under one of the kids' beds. Oh, trouble! And she doesn't, she doesn't smirk and 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 gloat about it. She doesn't even tell the twins about it. Oh, yeah, she cries. She, she cries because she needed Nora to be okay so that she could be okay. Her convincing man, Mister So. Oh man! But I'll never, I'll never concede this. You'll never concede that I'm right. Or you'll never concede the ten. It's not going to get the 10. Okay. Ever. Can you concede that I'm right? (laughs) 
we'll wait till the end and we'll see. <laughs> All right. Okay. Maybe maybe a big hole will come up. Maybe yeah, Jill maybe Jill later on in the episode goes, Hey, I just wanna be noted that I did want to find a gun. So Okay. Sure. Anyway. Crying of joy, tears of joy. Yeah. I've seen people do tears of joy that looks like they're sad. It's really scary. I'm like, oh But but if she was excited about finding the gun, don't you think she would have told the twins? They didn't have the right to celebrate because they didn't help look. Okay. They did. They found the bulletproof vest. Yeah, and then they just goofed off with it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Fair enough. Okay, um, yeah. They leave just as the phone's ringing, though, and it's Kevin, and he's trying oh, to... Oh, yeah. I remember I was like, the timing of that. Yep. I would have loved it. I guess that. I guess that's not really realistic. If, if Amy hears the phone... Or not Amy. Jill yep. hears the phone ring. She'll probably want to stay in here. What the person has to say, but no, oh yeah, great, great, great transition right there. No, oh, it definitely was because Kevin is in the middle of nowhere, has no service. Most of that message gets cut off, it's broken up, but we hear him say, I need you. Mm-hmm. And we see as he's wandering, trying to search for a signal, Kevin finds all of the white shirts that he's been missing. That poor laundry man. Owner, I, that yeah. poor soul. Makes me, what gets me more about that is that all these white shirts. So it, I was like a plot hole or something, but all those white shirts have like an official kind of like sheriff yep. thing on them, right? Yeah, the badge. Yeah. Yeah. So when he got the white shirts from the laundry man, I mean, I'm very positive they did not have the no stuff on them. So I was like, when when Kevin noticed, like, hey, what happened to my stuff? Maybe he just says, maybe he has like a chest full of it. That he just always slaps them on, maybe takes them off, and he's like, I can't, I can't remember if I took them off and then washed. I, I just, that part is what gets, I, I was wondering so, how he didn't notice that his Well, I think from Kevin's perspective, he probably thinks, these guys were tr- trying to steal my shirts or screw me out of my oh, shirt. Oh, you know, I so see So they must, maybe they screwed up and took the patches out then. Maybe that's why they wouldn't give me my shirts. Oh, yeah, or maybe they, they were actually trying to steal his white shirts from him. Right. Okay, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so. But I do, I do have a question for you that I've never been able to figure out. What? Why are all these black boots out there? I did not notice the black boots. Oh, yeah, there's there's like a... I don't know if it's a campfire circle, but there's like this weird circular pattern in the center of all the shirts hanging out. It's very creepy. And the circular pattern is made out of black boots. I'm trying to think wherever else a boot was used in the series so far well maybe it's foreshadowing i have no clue because obviously i haven't seen past this episode well i i was i was a little bit worried i was like maybe patty's not the first person he's brought out here maybe he's killed other guilty oh yeah that's definitely what i i mean i still wonder that but they would have been white white shoes it wouldn't have been black boots oh i see what you mean but kevin himself always wears black boots so I'm, i'm not sure why the black boots are out there and he hasn't missed those he's only missed the white shirts but anyway he he starts ripping these shirts off the trees and he's, then he starts pounding on a tree which is never a good idea the tree always wins so, <laughs> oh yeah his knuckles getting real bloody yeah his hands getting real bloody um so he's pounding on the tree and then he starts chanting to himself you're okay you're okay you're okay like he's trying to convince himself he's the same person because clearly every all the evidence is to the contrary right now yeah you know what uh, last episode you i think it was last uh left over to the episode maybe it was the week before that even but you yeah. asked me if i thought kevin was sane i was like oh, i'm 
very certain he's saying. <laughs> I think it was probably uh, in the Gladys episode because in that episode they do a lot of work to kind of build up. Oh yeah, with the, the idea, you know, here oh, Dean is actually real. So since Dean's real, is Kevin sane? Maybe, but doesn't doesn't look that way now. And he goes back to the cabin, and Dean has covered Patty's face in a plastic bag. I know why I laughed, but I just <laughs> uh, just just the ridiculousness of Dean of like Kevin's now left time to take care of the trash. <laughs> yeah, takes it all on his own. What does he say? The situation has resolved itself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that. And then wrestles Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, so then Kevin tries to rescue Patty, and Dean tackles him to the ground. There's a big skirmish between the two of them before finally Kevin subdues Dean and and saves Patty by ripping a hole in the bag. But this is when Dean leaves, Mm -hmm. leaves him on his own, but on his way out, (laughs) he starts yelling at his own voices, and he's like, shut the F up, I tried. Yeah. Yeah. Did you catch that on the way out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always listen to Dean. I always listen to him. (laughs) And this is exactly, we've heard Kevin Sr. say almost exactly these same things to his voices. Mm -hmm. So do you think that they hear the same voices? Is it the same voices? I, I, yeah, I do. It's it sure seems that way. Just because of um or maybe maybe uh senior's voices knew about Dean's upcoming voices plans. Huh. Yeah. There's definitely some connection there. There's some connection. It it definitely that seems that way. And and this is another notch in the belt of Dean is the person that the voices were sending to help Kevin. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean I'm very confident it's Dean. I'll be shocked if it was anyone else. And quite honestly, I don't have a good argument against that until the end of the series so so at the end of the series we'll revisit that question if i remember i hope i remember put a very long strong pin in that and we'll hope it holds exactly but um but yeah i think at this point we have to kind of assume that dean and senior are kind of connected through the voices that they hear Mm -hmm. yeah all right, you good with that? Anything else you want to say about that scene? No, no, just love Dean. Hope to yeah. see more of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <sighs> um, not much. Uh, <laughs> you will. Yeah, see, I, I, I just ruined their friendship, I guess. So yeah, especially. Yeah. yeah so I, I will say that you will see him again, but not as regularly as you have. So, yeah. Sorry, but probably see more than Patty. I'll be shocked if I see Patty more. Okay. Oh, you don't have to answer that, but okay. So Meg keeps talking to Lori. I yeah, uh, Lori's getting so frustrated. Oh that. man, I'm getting frustrated for Lori at this point. Like, oh my god, Meg, shut the hell up. What is your problem? Do you not get it? Why are you in this cult? Yeah, you had your voice, you gave it up, and now you want your voice back. Look at that. Yeah, you had you lost your voice for like two minutes. Get over it anyway. <laughs> She says, I wish I could see Nora's face on Memorial Day. And this is where I was getting Memorial Day from. That that MD on the binder was Memorial Day. Uh, yes, okay. yeah. and, and finally, Lori, 
I, I don't know if it's a show of weakness or if it's that's exactly what I was thinking of the yeah. violence of slapping her. I was like, wait a second, Lori, didn't you just spend so long criticizing Meg about violence and you just yeah. slapped her? That's that's violence. I don't know about you, but yeah. I consider that violence. Absolutely. So was it weakness or was it oh yeah, weakness. Meg back in line? No, no, it was weakness. Oh, I, I totally agree. Oh, yeah. I, to I totally I, agree. And I think that weakness stems, especially we'll see later on, from what Nora said. Because I think Lori does still care. Oh, yeah. I think I think Lori's very insecure. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think it's confirmed when we see the smug look on Meg's face after she gets slapped. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> it looks as though she was very happy to prove that Lori is as weak as she is. <laughs> she's, she's dragged her down to her level. Oh. And they're both playing in the mud. Yeah, Meg is the worst. Well, really? Oh no, she's not the worst. <laughs> but I, I'm not a I'm not a big Meg fan, and this episode does nothing to. Uh... No, I think she's funny. I think she's comic relief. Like the really? I think I think she's a better form of comic relief than the twins. I thought it was very funny the Meg scenes. They're talking and all that stuff. <laughs> okay, all right. But uh, they're waiting for something. They're waiting for this U-Haul delivery truck. Mm -hmm. Do you know what's in the truck? No. Okay. I mean, do you now? Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That, right. Oh, I certainly know now. Yeah. Let's talk about that later. <laughs> but uh, at the time, you didn't know what was in the truck? No, I didn't know what was in the okay. truck. Okay. Well, whatever's in the truck, they paid a lot of money for. The people that, that delivered it think that they're very sick. and But they take the money and they leave the goods anyway. <laughs> and they, they carefully pull all of these things, these wrapped packages, out of the truck and place them next to the clothes. And go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, once once I saw the packages, I'm like, okay, clearly I know what's going on. Once they open up the back of the truck, and I can see all the packaging. I'm like, okay, it's those. Wait, I forget what they're called, but the fake dead bodies. Yeah, the bereavement figures. I'm never gonna remember loved, that name. Loved ones, figures. loved ones, bereavement figures. Okay, that's that's what it looks like. Anyway, I mean, they're in different sizes, proportional to the clothes. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it definitely looks like they are bereavement figures. Uh, so. Do you uh, have an inkling about what their plan is for Memorial Day? Oh, yeah. I think they're going to dress up so that they probably order everyone that departed, or at least a big chunk of people that departed. I think everyone, because I don't know how many people are in the town, maybe a few thousand. And if it's only 2%, mm -hmm. that's a pretty... I think you fit that in a truck full of people in a town yeah. or city, whatever that's small. So I think at Memorial Day, they're going to just put them in the clothing, dress them up, and I don't know where they're going to put them all dressed up. I don't know if they'll put them in, like, the church pews or if they're going to put them outside on a hill or yeah. looks, probably a Memorial Day. If there's a Memorial Day parade, maybe, you know, they were there for the other parade. Yep. So I, I don't know if they'll put them. But I, yeah, I think they were going to dress up the bodies and put them somewhere. I mean, maybe they'll subvert my expectations, but. I'm really confident they're going to dress up the bodies and they definitely seem like they're headed in that direction. I, I don't, I don't think you're going to be very surprised by that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it is interesting. I, I like thinking about how long they've been kind of playing this out because this goes back to episode four, BJ and the AC when they stole the pictures from. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, it just looked like... Oh, because they show Nora. Yeah, because I remember, I remember seeing that photo of Nora and her, um, like, her husband and her yep. kids. Because that was the one on her fridge. I remember seeing them, yes. like, oh, that's the one on the fridge. I don't yep. know, I didn't even connect that yep. that's why they stole all the photos. So that way they could yeah. do this. 
There's also, by the way, in Nora's house, a, a, a spot on the wall where there's clearly a, a picture frame mix, missing. So I don't know if that's something that Guilty Remnant stole or if it was a photo of like a wedding photo that Nora took down because she's upset with Doug or, or whatever. But at any rate, uh, the, the Guilty Remnant has all these photos and they've, they've told us, uh, Marcus told us in, in episode six guest that all they need is a photo and they can make one of these bereavement figures. Mm-hmm. So the Guilty Remnant has all those photos so they could make all these bereavement figures. So... But again, I keep thinking, how did Patty know she wasn't going to be there? Because it seems like the rest of the Guilty Remnant all expected her to be there. Where's Patty? Like, has anybody seen Patty? What's what's the story with Patty? But she seems to know, she seemed to know that she wasn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you are right. She does. Patty doesn't seem like a slacker, so I don't. <laughs> no. Her and Dean must be working together. Only. I, I think there's, I think there's a good chance that they are, um, and I don't think we're ever going to get satisfaction on that, or not satisfaction. I don't think we're ever going to get a concrete answer to that. But I think that we're being at least suggested to that there's a possibility mm-hmm. that they were in on it together, and that Patty orchestrated the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Nora finds the gun on on the bed. Oh. Wait, 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 what did you just say? Nora finds the gun on the bed. Oh, oh, for when Jill comes back. For some reason, I thought we didn't talk about Jill finding the gun. I'm like, wait, didn't we just skip this? Uh, didn't Jill find the gun, then Nora no. finds the gun? But yeah, okay, yeah, we already went over that. We already yeah. went over that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. but when Nora gets home, she finds the gun on the bed, and she hears Kevin's partial message, but... Uh, Not in that order, wrong way. So I think the only, the purpose of this scene... Right, you're right, the other way around. Yeah. Um, I think the only purpose of the scene is to illustrate that she knows that Jill knows. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get anything else out of it other than that? No, no, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that, that's all I gather is just now she's aware that she was bluffing. Yeah. I guess she wasn't wrong about the purse thing, but she was bluffing. And Jill has now. It's, this is a power move dynamic there. At first, Jill called her out. Um, I can't remember. Nora took the the bigger step. Said, "Hey, I'm telling you, don't have a gun, not in my purse." Then Jill took the even bigger step, the even yeah. bigger power move. Checked the purse, failed. So now, uh, Nora's back on top. However, Jill then took the giga power move of going in her house, finding <laughs> the gun, and now Jill's completely on top in this social situation. Of she found <laughs> the gun, she was right. Yeah. Well, it may not turn out to matter though because Jill has <laughs> taken herself out of the equation at this point. But um, we haven't seen that part yet. But yeah, at this point, Jill is going home, and Amy is on her way out as Jill is on her way in. Hmm. And Amy's got some place to go, but it's not her home. The Dorfman. It's the, the Dorfman. Oh, oh God! It's that idiot. The the guy who who. Uh, the, the guy who got choked in episode one oh. <laughs> and, and then did the Roman helmet in episode four and then recited the incantation in episode seven like, at the refrigerator. And so he, he's, he's awful. He's like the worst human being in the show, but that's where Amy's going to stay. But at any rate, that's all set. But she, Amy doesn't twist the knife on her way out. She says, I hope yeah. you feel better. Uh, and speaking of knives, Jill grabs one, 
and she hears the dog barking and starts walking toward the dog. Did you think that she was going to kill the dog? Mm. Now, I'm, now I'm trying to think back to when I was watching the episode. I didn't put a note of that, and I didn't. I did write Jill goes to dog with knife, so maybe I was wondering if she would kill the dog, but I don't. I mean, now I have hindsight, so I don't think she was, but. And I can't recall the moment when I thought of it. This this was also a weaker scene. This the, the house with the twins and this scene were probably two of the weaker scenes of why this does not get a 10. Okay. All right. I'm going to try to sell you on this too, but not right now. I but... never cared for the dog. Okay. Well, she she lets the dog go, though. She cuts it loose. Yeah. She, doesn't, she doesn't kill it. That does actually make me happy. She cut the dog because I was sick of the dog. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm going to try to sell you on that in a bit, but not right okay. now. Okay. Uh, so we're back at the Guilty Remnant house. Uh, even though Patty's not there, Lori says tomorrow is still on. Lori sits at Patty's desk. She's got this look of satisfaction on her on her, on her face. She's flipping to Nora's page in the binder. She's like living life right now. Uh, she, she seems to have assumed patty's position within the guilty remnant at least in patty's absence oh yeah yeah and all seem everything seems to be coming up lori until jill shows up at the door asking to stay there and lori's satisfaction that you see it on her face it it shifts from satisfaction to like i want to say worry but but dread might be a better term I didn't analyze Lori's face then. I, I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was just more bewilderment or just like, yeah, shock. Okay. I did not think of worry, but okay, definite shock. That's a call. Yeah. So, uh, I we can talk about this from Lori's perspective. Uh, do you think Lori knew that Patty wasn't coming back? Now that now that you've entered this into my brain, she doesn't ever question that she's gone. Right, she just kind of gives commands of like people are like, oh, what do we do? She's not around. Keep going, yep. keep doing this. She never's like, yeah, she never once stops. Go, hey, what is going on? Yeah, where is she? She's pretty decisive in all her decision making without Patty being around. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I mean, she's sitting at this desk, looking satisfied. It looks, it's a look that tells me she thinks she's there for the long haul. <laughs> but anyway, why do you think Jill does this now? Why do you think she comes and joins the Guilty Remnant? Or at least wants to stay there? Well, because... So this is what I theorize. Because she's now... She she was hoping that Nora did not have the gun. Because then it would give her hope. Ah, so I wasn't... No, no, this is my own theory. This is what I just thought of here. (laughs) No, no, you were right. You were right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I I do agree with that now. Yep. I agreed with it uh, since the very beginning, to be honest with you. Okay. But, uh, well, no, not the very beginning. Midway through. When, at the okay. house. That's when I agreed with it, actually. No. Hey, when you're right, you're right. I don't care when you decided I was right. I, it is good to be right, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Wait. What was I? I forgot. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. So, uh, I remember now. Yeah. Nora... Uh, she couldn't. Not now that she did find the gun. She's well. Nora's not. She doesn't believe Nora's okay. Yep. That gun kind of just held. Now, why she put the gun on such a high mantle? I, I don't know why she held this gun to such a high mantle. Why she kind of she elevated it 
I mean, I can see some reasons why, but she really, she really laid it out as this gun signifies if she's okay or not. Well, because Nora said, I used to have one and I don't need it anymore. So the idea of her not needing the gun anymore is an indicator that she is not the person she was anymore. She doesn't have the same issues that she had anymore. Well, that is a big statement, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that she, it's not the fact that, that the gun is so important, but that the absence of the gun would have been so important. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, that's what I'm taking it as. And, and to me, she's joining the guilty remnant because she thought there was a chance I might ha- be able to be okay. And now that I know Nora's not okay, at least not fully, how could I, like, maybe I, I'm probably never going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I think there's more to it than that. Also, I think remember way back in the beginning of the episode, Amy says to her, "You, you scared him off to to her house." You know, so Jill know Jill has in her mind that she drove her father away. She knows that she drove Amy away in this episode. She she knows that she was there. Oh yeah, very clearly. Yeah, she, she... and and so the the only person you know, Tommy's nowhere to be found. And the only other person in her life was her mother who left her as well. Uh, but she, for whatever reason, Lori feels like the most accessible one right now. And so for that reason, Jill ends up at, at the guilty remnant because it's where she can find the only person she may have a chance of connecting with. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, wait. No, no, wait, no. Okay, wait. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, all right. So I think there's this is there's two there's two motivations here. One is she found the gun, therefore Nora's not fully okay. Therefore, she probably never will be okay. And the reason two, she's driven away everybody close to her, uh, and so she's tr- going to try to make amends with the only person who she has a chance with in her mind. Yeah, her mom. And it- she definitely likes her mom or has affection towards her mom. Yeah. Like we saw the Christmas present and whatnot. So yeah. it makes sense. She's lost everyone else or she feels like she's lost yeah. everyone else. So she turns to the last person she thinks she has a glimmer of chance for. Yeah. Okay. So anything you want to say about anything other than Kevin and Patty for the rest of the episode? Uh, I, I want to ask you, so, you said you're going to try to win me back over for, with the Jill and the dog stuff. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm going to. Oh, okay. Okay. So, we but I need to get Patty okay. in order to do that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's, we, and, we can go forward. Okay. All right. So, I mean, from this point forward, all we get is Patty and Kevin yes. at the cab, in the cabin, which is spectacular. I wanted nothing more than to be with them uninterrupted for the rest of the episode. Oh yeah. And oh, it was so satisfying and. I mean, as I'm taking notes, I'm like pausing every 10 seconds to write down something because of what Patty is saying. It, <laughs> Patty is unbelievable in this scene. It, at some point, Kevin asks, what do you want? And she says, I want you to understand. Mm-hmm. And this is this gets to the core of who Patty is and who the guilty remnant is. Oh, yeah. Finally, we get some. <laughs> yes. Do you want to talk about that? Hopefully I can fully interpret what she said, but Patty, based on my understanding, 
the guilty remnant are kind of the only people that truly remember because everyone else still tries to live their life and no one understands what happened yep. right and the guilty remnant kind of understand that no one understands so they'll just keep remembering it and they're living reminders but everyone else goes back to their lives their jobs their whatever right living their lives which is kind of forgetting it then by by not acknowledge by by trying to do anything else other than acknowledging it you are trying to kind of hide it that's basically what i uh patty's thought process was to me he yeah. said something about uh strips everything away that tries to block it out right yeah. and that's that's what it is being part of the guilty remnant right you you've got yeah. to become a living reminder uh so that, that that's just what I, that's Absolutely. What I gathered from that. No, absolutely. You, you nailed it. You know, okay. the, the, and it, the whole thing was instigated when Patty said, "What? When was the last time you thought about the departure?" And oh yeah, Kevin, yeah. It comes Kevin out. says, "I don't," and that's kind of the point. And she says, "That's the difference between you and me." That's all I think about every waking moment of my life. You okay. ignore it. We strip away everything that distracts us from it. We are living reminders of what you try so desperately to forget. That's what, because I remember a few episodes ago, and it's still the case. I I constantly forget about the departure. Not forget, yeah. but you know, it's just, it's not on my mind. I, I probably watched this whole episode for, well, actually, they did bring him up sometimes. I forgot the one episode where it was a very good chunk. I didn't think about it, but even this. It was, long, it was Gladys. Gladys. I, I, I just listened Gladys, to the okay. podcast, and, and you said <laughs> this exact thing in there. Yeah, it, it blew my mind that I just didn't even think about it for so long. Yeah. And I, I, I I think the gaps get bigger and bigger sometimes. Just don't yeah. think about it. I think that's one of the true miracles of the show is is that this this amazing event is not the point of the show. Yeah, it's it, it's the seed that starts in. You know, yeah. yeah. Other TV shows have that, but usually they, they they kind of stick to that seed. Like even like Breaking Bad, he's trying to yeah. do whatever cook meth, and the whole TV show he's cooking meth. Dexter yeah. kills people, killing people, and it's also Ozark, whatever. You know, launder money, launders money the whole time. But yeah. this, it's people disappear. Yeah. Okay, and we just go for it. You just, you just go past. And it is still a seed of it, but it's not even the main part of it that starts this, that sparks all this. Yep. Well, I, I'm happy to say and sorry to say. Well, no, I'm not. I'm just happy to say. Next episode, you're gonna heavily get the departure <laughs> because the the departure happens in the middle of the next episode or maybe toward the end i can't remember but uh but i think that's that's so appropriate we because we get the scene with patty telling us what the guilty remnant's all about we're tr we're living reminders of what you try so desperately to forget and we have kind of forgotten about the departure and patty's death is going to instigate this flashback episode where all we get is departure 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 so uh -huh. yeah so I, I, I took I take that back. That's not all we get, but set up for the departure and then departure, departure, departure. So uh, yeah, I'm mean, I'm all gonna be thinking about it the whole episode. Oh, this is pre-departure. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, Kevin is not buying what Patty is selling. He thinks that Lori left because he failed her. Um, and Patty has some <laughs> uh, sharp words for Kevin there. Kevin cheated on her. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and. <laughs> So we find out that Lori knows about that because Patty knows about it and Patty knows about it because Lori knows about it because Patty tells us there was a time when I told Lori everything. Then there was a time when she told me everything. Mm -hmm. 
And she says, she came to me because I offered her something you could not purpose. Yes. Yeah. And when you think about, when you think about these people in the guilty remnant, you can see this might be a pretty big draw for them to have a purpose because after the departure, I'm sure everything must have seemed so pointless, so insignificant. Definitely. You know, yeah. It's, it's like, you know, you hear about it in like, I don't know if you follow sports at all, professional sports, but do you at all? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Well, anytime there's like a death of a professional athlete, you hear on, on ESPN sports center, you'll hear the commentators say, you know, this, this puts everything in perspective. You know, this is just a game. You'll hear all the teammates say that same thing. You know, this, this, this is just a game or this puts everything in perspective. So for, for many people, you can see that the departure would have put things in perspective and, and their lives would have seemed more insignificant at that point. And they would have felt like they were drifting and purposeless and that here comes the guilty remnant to give you a purpose, to give you meaning to, to, and she says, Patty says, that's all we want. Now, every one of us, a reason to exist, something to live for, and then something to die for. And that's when Kevin invokes Gladys. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Talk a little more about Gladys. There's one thing actually here. I'll, I'll say it real quick. Okay. So yeah, Patty admits to killing Gladys, but she says Gladys was okay with that. Yeah. Right? Now, when we saw that cold opening where Gladys got stoned, Gladys yeah. says stop. She says the word oh. stop. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I I think Patty's lying. I think she said or maybe Gladys just, you know, changed her mind. She's like, Oh yeah, now I want him to stop. But you know, I I do have questions about, you know. Uh, is Patty lying or did Gladys just get uh, cold or wet feet? I forget the expression. Well, uh, I, I, I think, I think Patty's telling the truth here. I think that, that the very first scene in that episode, in the Gladys episode, uh, we see Gladys in Patty's office, just nodding. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and say, okay. Oh. You know? So I think that, I think that the intention was always for Gladys to die. Uh, and, and Patty, but uh, but even the so, nodding yes yep that that can easily be oh, uh she was out and about doing such like painting yes. some of the different things that that could have easily been Patty planned to kill Gladys to make the statement and or you know to cause the mayhem yeah and so she just told Gladys hey Gladys go do this this that and she's like nod her head yes so I it's well the not the not the not yes does swing me back to Gladys did just get cold feet yeah but. I I still think there's a pretty good chance, maybe not the more likely chance, but still a pretty good chance that Patty just uh, tricked Gladys or Gladys wasn't ready for it. Hmm. But you think the guilty remnant did it regardless? Is your your only question is whether or not Gladys? No, 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 no. This is my other question too. Yeah, is if the rest of the guilty remnant know. Or if Patty hired some other people, because it, it, it looks like she has money, right? It definitely looks like she has some sort of financial... I don't yep. know how the guilty remnant has money, but she has money. Yep. And we saw with all the... I already forgot the yep. name again, but the, the fake reasons. dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> and she could have just hired some thugs to do it, or, you know, whichever. Because 
we we know Patty's end game here is she plans to die. Here. Yeah. So she she's not worried about the others finding out. I guess. I guess, I guess, she, I guess she's confident Kevin won't tell them or. They wouldn't believe Kevin, even if she, so. She hid it from the rest of the guilty remnant. Yeah, that Gladys was to die. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. So yeah, I'm not sure if the guilty remnants are the one that killed her, Gladys, but I well, certainly know. Obviously, Patty was behind it. <laughs> let Let me offer this. We know that in that episode, Gladys, Lori had a panic attack. Yes. Okay. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. That That must mean that she wasn't aware. Yeah, you're right. That. It might, uh, uh, either Gladys or not Gladys. Either Patty only told a select few to actually the ones that shoot the stones, or she did just hire it out and get other people yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah. So my the way I interpret that whole episode is that Patty, or I'm sorry, that Lori knew that the guilty remnant was responsible for Gladys's death, and her anxiety came from the idea that she that if they'll do it to Gladys, they might do it to me. Oh, and and oh, yeah. that's why Patty had brought her out to breakfast yes. uh, to kind of prep her for that. Because Patty even says in this scene that Lori's time is coming. She'll be ready too. She'll be okay with it. And her coming, her time is coming. It's coming very, very soon. Hmm. So my, my thinking is that Lori kind of knew the whole time and knew that she was, she might be the next one in line. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that that also makes sense too, actually. Yeah. yeah. But but I mean, the way that Patty is is talking here is just so antagonistic toward Kevin. And I mean, how do you not expect to be killed by your kidnapper when you're talking to him like this? So, oh, yeah. so Kevin assumes that Patty wants him to kill her. He's and. Patty says, no, I want you to say you understand what I want you to say you understand what happened, what's happening to me, what's happening to you. And then she recites this weird, incredible poem. Do do you know what I'm talking about? This poem that she recites? No, I I, I just wrote down Patty says some religious slash poetry thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a poem by William Butler Yeats. Uh, from 1896, it's called "He Bids His Beloved Be at Peace," uh, and That's a it's tongue twister. Okay. yeah, it's about the apocalypse actually, like the seven or the four horsemen. Yeah, so yeah. It, it it does go into that a little bit. Oh, vanity of sleep, hope, dream, endless desire. So, oh, vanity, sleep, hope, dream, endless desire. So that's four: sleep, mm-hmm. hope, dream, desire. Um, the horses of disaster plunge in the heavy clay. Beloved, let your eyes half close and your heart beat over my heart and your hair fall over my breast, drowning love's lonely hour in deep twilight of rest and hiding their tossing manes and their tumultuous feet. So this is like, it sounds like lovers you know, bidding each other farewell as the apocalypse approaches. So, this, so that's, that's what she recites to Kevin. Uh-huh. And then she says, you don't have to hide from me. Uh, at which point Kevin goes to the toolbox, pulls out a oh. knife. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So this is where I was getting. Obviously, I mean, obviously the way the writers did it is to make you wonder, is Kevin going to kill us? You know, he takes the knife, they zoom in on the knife. Yep. 
And I was wondering if Kevin's going to become kind of Dexter-esque. I, I guess Dexter kills for different reasons. But if Kevin yep. now was okay with killing Patty because now he knows Gladys died because of Patty. And so he'd be like, he'd feel justified or now he'd be okay with killing her. Because okay. it was okay. So I, I did wonder if now Kevin was going to kill her because now he knows, well, he killed Gladys. Now, now maybe he'll feel like that cancels out his crime. Because she killed okay. someone, now she, he's just killing her. Yeah. But obviously he did not do that. But no. I, I was ready, though, for it. I was like, maybe Kevin yeah. would kill her. So you wondered whether or not he would kill her, right? Yeah. Did you, earlier in this episode, wonder whether or not somebody approaching somebody with a knife would kill them? Oh. Yeah, okay, well, I still don't like it. No, it's not enough. No? <laughs> that don't make me like Tommy, The the all the synchronization they had in that episode. Yeah. Uh, that don't work. No, no, no. Uh, no. You can't, just, you can't just synchronize things and say, now it's a good scene, we synchronized it. Don't you like it, Kurt? No, 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 no. That's not enough. That's not how you get 10, baby. No, no, no. Well, I, I guess the, the, the way I think about that is there there's this subconscious connection. They don't know they're doing the same things, Jill and Kevin and Kevin th- or Jill thinks that she, she has alienated Kevin. Kevin's not even thinking about Jill. Oh she's, yeah. <laughs> not one. Do with Jill. And he hasn't, he hasn't abandoned her, but they're here. They are connected by the fact that they're doing the exact same thing. And Jill, there is a connection Jill could have and, and she's turning her back on it. So I love it. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. So, you don't have to, but I mean, I listen, episode's great. It's the best episode in the season. <laughs> good, good. Just, just not ten. I'm sorry, it's close. <laughs> well, anyway, he sets her free, and he says he's going to report himself. So you're not going to tell anybody anything because I'm going to report myself. And he says, I, uh, I may lose my job if I, I lose my job, so be it. But I am not going to lose my mind listening to the words coming out of your mouth. I don't understand you. So at the same time, he has brought his own sanity into question as he is setting her free. <clears throat> and he has rejected what she's offered him. She, all she's wanted, she, I want you to understand. He says, I don't understand you. Oh yeah, yeah. When he finally rejected, it, I was like, "Oh, yeah." This this is exactly what he did to his father in the previous episode. The his father said, "I need you to accept this. I don't accept this." He says so. He keeps rejecting these people who are trying to <clears throat> connect with him in some way. But Patty uh, grabs a piece of glass off the floor and says you do understand and stabs herself right in the throat blood everywhere she's gone why do you think it's so important to patty that this all happen and that kevin understand <clears throat> because i i am pretty firmly of the opinion that somehow or another patty orchestrated this yeah and she needed this to happen and she needs Kevin to understand. Why do you think that's so important to her? I, I can only guess they're trying to flip Kevin <clears throat> going the guilty remnant or to be sympathetic towards them. I, I don't, or the voices. I, I don't know if the, the voices also talk to him, her as well. The, 
Well, no, because the voices said something else. Huh. Yeah, because the voices wanted her to die, according to Dean, at least. Yeah, I mean, Dean was mm. Dean tied a plastic bag around her head, so. Unless they're all in cahoots, though. Yeah. Which, I mean, she did eventually die, too, so I don't, I have. Yeah. I really, I really don't know. I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, I'm sure it'll become, maybe it'll become more apparent. It's, I mean, yeah, this is, and it may take a while to, to kind of suss this out, but. There, I mean, there's a reason why Kevin is important to Patty. Yes, there's something <clears throat> and, key about Kevin. Yeah, yeah. So, but at any rate, this is. I, I mean, I I just think Patty is so spectacular in this episode. I cannot believe that she never won an Emmy for this. <laughs> so, but she didn't. She didn't even get nominated. <laughs> but she's she's incredible. Uh, the, she she go she goes back earlier in the scene we we kind of skipped over uh this part but she says oh you are in a pickle now or something like that doesn't she say that oh she keeps saying stuff like that to him over like oh what a situation you're in yeah yeah you are screwed uh, you're hoping that i've that, that i i remember that you saved my life oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> So, but yeah, I think I just think she's spectacular, and and this episode just works for me on every level. I I, I just love it, and it's it's my favorite episode so far. Definitely, I. Yeah, Gladys. The Gladys episode is probably my favorite up until now, and this this definitely takes the cake. The solid nine out of ten. I mean, I even think this episode's better than Guest. The Nora-centric episode. Really? I do. Wow. That's going to hype so much. Yeah. Well, I, and I still think that, that that episode is a pretty significant turning point in the season because it instills the idea that there could be hope for some of these characters, which we have not seen prior it, to that. Yeah, and it really shows off Holy Wayne's hug because we've seen Nora oh. pre and post. Like we, We've seen him hug like the congressman. Yep. And we've heard about his hug, but we haven't actually seen the effects of it on someone. Yep. Really like long term, yep. how they were post or pre and post, and you know Nora's a great example. We see her for a good chunk, of the most of the episode, really sad mm-hmm. even before that episode and then after. Now she looks all fine. That when we see her, yeah, I mean I, that that scene with Nora and Wayne is is up there with the scene between Kevin and Patty. Although I love Wayne too, man. I love Wayne. Yeah, but but Kevin and Patty, like. The, these two you'll together. Be missed. You will be missed. Oh Patty. man! Like, doesn't it make you sad that we didn't get more of this already? <laughs> like, yeah. because uh, it's so good. Anyway, all right. I I don't have anything else to say about this episode. I I, I think we've said quite a bit. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Uh, no, not nothing I can think of. Okay, and you're you're prepped and ready for the flashback episode next week, right? So we we aren't going to get a continue. We aren't we aren't going to get a continuation of any of these stories next week. Another cut, a, lot, a lot of cutoffs in this TV series, like episode yeah. three, cold cut from the story. Yeah. Episode six, cold cut, and now yeah. episode nine. Well, every three is like this cold cut. Is this a theme that goes on in the next season? Is every like third? Oh yeah, years? yeah. It, it, they they do this from time to time. Although I would argue that all of it does further the story. Oh, it does. It does. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm happy about the Matt and Nora episode. Definitely, it's the, the Matt episodes are always going to feel 
a little out of place. A little like, out of place. I, I I can understand that, but I like the Matt episode. Yeah, the the but they're so good. <laughs> like the Matt episodes are like movies unto themselves that happen to take place in the this Matt trilogy. Part. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but or or Trinity, if you prefer. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, I mean, really, the Matt the Matt ones are are that type of story, whereas the normal ones definitely do further story, especially. Uh, in season two and season three um so those those and there are some other characters that get point of view episodes as well so that that you haven't some that you haven't even met yet so <laughs> that'll be interesting for you but at any rate that they, they are great and i i would argue that they do further the story and i would argue this flashback episode is quite important to where the story goes from here so, yeah, and I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna enjoy it. I, I but we'll see. So, yeah, I, I want. I am really excited to see what happens then, and I'm also force excited for the finale because, as everyone knows, who are listening, not watching, listening at you know in the no. car, work, uh, home, I don't know, doing whatever people exercise. I don't know what people do, listening to podcasts or watching I'm them. On. You could actually not. Not. I do want to say. They could be watching it technically, Mr. Style, because it is on YouTube. <laughs> Did you post it on YouTube? It's auto-posted onto YouTube, Leftovers 1. So it is technically on YouTube, but there's nothing really to watch. I think it's just a blank screen. But you can sit there and watch the blank screen. I didn't know you posted this to YouTube. Good for I you. did. It's automatic. It was automatic. I don't, I don't do oh, that. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, so. <laughs> but thank you for giving me the credit. <laughs> two more episodes till the finale. Really, yeah, two more weeks, and you'll get to see... The big Mister, the big surprise I have in store that everyone will love, except for Mister Sal. Mm. You will not like it, Mister Sal. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm telling you, you will not like it. I will explain it. You, you still won't like it, but you'll understand. It's a necessary, <laughs> necessary thing. Well, for the greater good. We'll look forward to that, I suppose. Oh, definitely do. I'm, I'm telling you right now, we've overhyped things, you know, and lost. That lock episode, we it was overhyped. I'll admit it. The Nora <laughs> episode, I'll admit it. Overhyped, right? We've, we've I, overhyped I things. That. I, if anything, I think you I, already did admit it before. <laughs> I know. I said I underhyped it. Oh yeah, I remember that. Okay, well, <laughs> I think I'll speak for everyone. Overhyped, just compared to some of these other, you know, Gladys and this episode, right? Some real shiners. Uh, this, this episode's amazing. I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this, I'm telling you, is not overhyped. Okay. Anyway, it's pretty hyped. <laughs> it's very hyped. It's, I, I want you to hype it. Uh, feel very hyped about this, everyone, and take your hype and just know, you're gonna, it's gonna feel even better. <laughs> I am, I'm raising the hype as much as I can. I'm that confident. Well, I can't wait. In the meantime, if you'd like to contact <laughs> us, you can email showhopperspodcast at gmail dot com. In the mean, and also if you uh, would feel kind enough to give us that five-star rating that we crave so very very much yeah we would appreciate it and then remember you can always go back and revise it later just give us the five star now give us five star now revise it later tell everyone literally tell everyone you know we go to the store the cashier be like oh how's your day i'm good have a good evening you too watch show hopper's pocket and like maybe print some business cards for us and you know give them out yeah. just you know not, we're not asking for much we're just asking you know, yeah and all honestly, though, the, the mm-hmm. best way to grow the podcast is to tell your friends about it. It's right about, yeah. 
definitely it is much appreciated in real talk though mm-hmm. yes thank you everyone but thank you for listening and thank you for listening and we'll see you next week for episode nine of season one the garvey's at their best the penultimate episode goodbye mm-hmm. everyone bye